This episode of Intelligent Medicine is brought to you by Propax with NT Factor, a complete vitamin and mineral formula. NT Factor is the only nutritional formula clinically proven to reduce fatigue, whatever the cause, whether it be age, illness, or just being run down. NT Factor repairs damaged cells, restores healthy bacteria in your digestive tract. Clinical trials have shown NT Factor reduces fatigue by almost half, and it even reverses some symptoms of aging. I've been taking NT Factor for years, and now the 45 day money back guarantee you have nothing to lose. To order, call 800 982 9158. That's 800 982 9158. Or go to ntfactor.com. That's ntfactor.com. Welcome back to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly QA with Layla wherein we answer your questions. And uh, let's uh, tackle that question mm-hmm. that we previewed in part one. Could you repeat it, please? Yeah, from Anne. I'm on blood thinners, and I was told I cannot take turmeric, but two doctors told me it was okay to take curcumin. My understanding is that curcumin is the active ingredient in turmeric. What say you? Is it all right to take curcumin? It, it's rubbish. It's rubbish. It's, it's just, uh, you know, I... When doctors don't know, they should just say, I don't they know. They should say, I don't know. I don't know. They, they, they actually act like they they know what they're talking about. Right. Is So, you know, curcumin is a derivative of turmeric. Yes. And so, what they said, don't take turmeric, but take don't, curcumin. But it's okay to take curcumin. They probably didn't realize that curcumin is yes. concentrated turmeric. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's weird. You it know? is weird. So, it is weird. Uh, so, there is... She's on blood thinners. Okay. So, there's this little bit buzz about curcumin or turmeric and its blood thinning effects. I don't think it is a major blood thinner. I see it You'd on some lists. You have to take lists. too much of it. I see it on some lists like, you know, pre-surgery, don't take this. Oh, and if you're on a blood thinner, yeah. you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Okay, pre-surgery but, is different. Yeah. yeah, but you know, um, yeah. and, and you know what's interesting? When you talk about all these things you stop for surgery, um, yeah. what do they do right after, you know, like I broke my leg, so what do they do Right after my surgery, they come and they give me heparin. They thin my blood. Why? Yeah. Because trauma mm-hmm. and surgery cause blood clots. Yes. So trying to- something that has a little bit of a blood thinning effect may not be bad. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So, that way, I mean, yeah. like fish oil, you know, I, I don't sure. think, I'm not to, so anxious to tell people to stop fish oil. There's some people who yeah. have a condition where they bleed a lot, von Willebrand syndrome. I've seen- Fish oil make that worse. Yeah, it's a it's a relatively rare condition of of uh, where people bruise easily and have trouble, you know, dental procedures. Uh, factor nine in, factor, uh, deficiency, I think that is factor five. Factor leading, nine. Leading, oh, factor nine. No, leading is, is, is too much else. blood clotting. Too much. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what about in the case of she's on a blood thinner? We don't know which one, like Coumadin. Mm-hmm. And then what about Pradaxa or Eliquis? Yeah, I don't and think it's a be... big problem. Yeah. You know. And use turmeric in your cooking, please. I do. But, you know, I would say it, it, to the extent it may cause some blood thing, I think you might notice, you might say, gee, I'm getting blood Why am I bruising? I didn't or I, bruise or like I brush this. my teeth, that... my gums are bleeding more. Yes, yes. For men shaving, for yes. women shaving their legs. You yeah. Know, it's yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, what's yeah. happening here? It won't you know. stop. Oh yeah. 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 Right. Then, then, you know, that's no good. But, uh, you know, already you're going to get a little bit of that with a blood thinner. Yeah. Yeah. True. I mean, okay, people start blood thinners. They go, oh, my God, look at my forearms. My forearms are all black and blue. That's what happens. That's what happens. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I got one. 
I got mm. one. Oh. Yeah. Uh, this actually came to me from, it's an interesting question, so that's why I'm reading it for here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came to me from my um, uh, audio engineer, my radio program. You know, we, we commune weekly on Saturday. I've gotten to know him quite well over the years. Uh-huh. Uh, I even met him once because I do, I broadcast remotely. So yes. I, you know, he's in Arlington, Virginia, and I'm in, you know, one of several locations yes. here in New York. Yeah. At, um, you know, I keep shifting locations because I don't know. I might get droned. So I, I'm like. Right. It's good to beat the drone. Yes. Yeah. I'm like Osama bin Laden. I have like w- several hideouts. Uh-huh. You know, so anyway. good, 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 good plan. Good <laughs> yeah. strategy. So you never know. But, so <laughs> I, I can broadcast remotely. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, sometimes New York, sometimes Long Island, sometimes New Jersey. Yeah. And so I, so he has a question for me is he took one vaccine mm-hmm. and it was fine, you know, and however, he says, I'm seeing where there is a problem with the vaccines in the form of microclots, some of which have proven fatal. Now, as of today, they suspended the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Yes, I read that this which morning. Which is interesting because a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I think that Johnson & Johnson vaccine is better because it's like older. Yes. You know, it's like a, a, a more proven technology. Well, I said, we don't know. We don't know. Now, I'm not saying Johnson & Johnson's bad and it may come back, but there have been some incidents That's true. of blood clots, mm-hmm. less than you can count on two hands. Yeah. Um, but Out of so many millions. Out of an abundance of caution, they've suspended yes. Johnson & Johnson, which is a disaster for Johnson Johnson mm. and for the vaccine campaign and it's going to fortify a lot of vaccine hesitancy and we don't right. really know and their stock went down <laughs> did, did you right. did you look at it today of yeah. yeah how much it go down I'm just it was a bad day anyway in the about market about 30% i oh, think it 30% it'll come it'll don't hold me to that number i was between, it was still too early between in the morning that when and the, I and at the, that. the baby powder uh, lawsuits oh, no. they got That's hammered terrible so anyway that's mm-hmm. well, very, baby powder ovarian mm-hmm. cancer um, you know, talcum powder. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. So he says, I see there's a problem with the vaccines in the form of microclots, some of which have proven fatal. Do you think it may be a sensible preemptive move to take two to three plain aspirins prior to my second shot to minimize the potential? Or is there a different mechanism at work causing clotting that wouldn't be addressed by aspirin's ability to thin blood? So this is an interesting question. Hmm. And, you know, there's, there's two aspects to the question. One is, uh, would aspirin help? And what's interesting is that heparin, which we just discussed, yes. doesn't seem to help this problem. Right. So that's the, about this. So they're going to have to do a deep dive, and they're going to have to see: is there something unique about these people where we can predict a susceptibility to blood clots, and then we can say this vaccine is not for certain people. Yeah. So they're going to study it very carefully. We don't know what pre-existing clotting susceptibility these people had, if any, mm-hmm. if any, uh, or is it just a random event? And it's, it's scary because, well, they say, oh, you know, it's like millions of people have had this and only like uh, six or seven have, have, have gotten blood clots, but they're very serious problems and one person That's died. Um, you know, and these, some of these are what are called venous thromboses, which occur in the, in the brain. Huh. Uh, so this is a very serious uh, problem because it's, it, uh, you know, can be life threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, so, however, you know, you could say, well, the chances of having this are very slight. You know, it's kind of like getting on a plane in, uh, say, uh, you know, in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Your chances of crashing are right. are low, but a little higher than domestic sure. air travel in the United States. I mean, take a chance. Yeah. But it's it if you're fine, you're fine, and most people are. Yes. But if you get it, mm-hmm. it's a hundred percent. Yeah. 
you have a hundred percent of a rare event. So that's why they're they're stopping in an abundance of caution. They had to do that with Which AstraZeneca in Europe. Yes. Same deal. Well, that was the right they're, thing. They're to actually do. restricting AstraZeneca yes. with certain populations. For some reason, they're saying hmm. they're saying people only at, over a certain age should get it. You would think older people would be more susceptible, but I guess they're saying, you know, if your risk of COVID is low, there's no reason to take. The, the shot. I mean, if yeah. your risk of COVID is high, yeah. the benefit may outweigh the risk. I yeah. think that's what they're thinking. But uh, so AstraZeneca and Johnson Johnson have had that. I'm not sure Pfizer or Moderna reported the same problem, but it makes sense because something that activates the immune system could thicken the blood and cause a blood clot. So the so the number one question is, would aspirin help? And mm. the answer is, we don't know. It kind of makes sense to take aspirin. It's not a you know it's not a hazardous drug. Yeah. Uh, you could try it. It may not help. Not, the other question yeah. is, though, could aspirin attenuate the benefits of the vaccine? And so there's some people who say, well, you know, they're worried about the vaccine. They say, well, take Tylenol before you get the second Moderna shot because mm-hmm. it's going to throw you for a loop. Right. Well, we don't know. Maybe Tylenol, uh, it, you know, it, it may suppress the response to the vaccine. You know, it's like, you know, what we sometimes say is let a fever go. Mm-hmm. Because it's your immune system working. Yes. And if you suppress a fever, yes, maybe that it'll take longer to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, because you want like True. that clean burn where the immune system is really activated to get rid of a pathogen. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe taking aspirin might be like uh, somewhat taking the efficacy away from. It. Yeah. Well, maybe. let me give you a little personal experience. A very sure. close relative of mine recently had her. Johnson and jo- Johnson vaccine and survived and survived. Okay, and she was told that she could only take Tylenol for any of the side effects, but not Advil, but not at ad- no NSAIDs, no NSAIDs, only Tylenol. Okay, which she did a lot because she felt rotten, right? And she was shivering mm-hmm. and cold. She did not have a fever. Mm-hmm. She was very cool to the touch, all of that. But she had a then she had a ter- terrible headache. Yeah, which was concerning because she's not a yeah. headache person. But lo and behold, she's fine. Thank goodness. Yeah. Anyhow. How long did it last? So uh, three days. Okay. Two and a half days. Yeah, that's typical. Yeah. Yeah. So, but uh, she was told not to yeah. take any NSAIDs. Yep. Yeah. Only met, Tylenol. I met a person this week uh, who is, uh, she's about, uh, you know, she's probably 35, mm-hmm. 40 maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, she uh, took the vaccine and I think she got the Moderna. Okay. And she now has had her second vaccine. Mm-hmm. She says she just doesn't really feel right. It's been a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, she still feels a little under the weather. Huh. You know, but on the other hand, the 92-year-old who she takes care of got the vaccines and feels fine. No change. No problem. My 84-year-old mother got her Moderna, her first in February, her second in March. Right. She's just fine. So, like, it may be that older no people problem. have a less strong immune system. Huh. And, and that may be also the rationale for withholding the vaccines that are problematic, like AstraZeneca, yeah. from younger people, because they may have a stronger immune response causing the blood clots. Right. I understand that people, and I got the email from... Because the people getting blood clots are not like 99. Right. They're, they're younger. They're, they're younger. They're younger. Yeah. And I understand for really young people, teenagers and such, they're only allowed to get either the Pfizer or Moderna, not the other. Right. So well, now you can't do, get the J&J and AstraZeneca. Because they just took it off. Right. right after this relative of right. mine took right. her J&J it, shot. It'll probably come back, but it'd be nice if they could figure out how to predict who might have a bad reaction. Like yeah. Their, their blood tests can determine if you have a clotting susceptibility. Exactly. It's like that 
G6PD blood test mm. before you're given IVs. Right. It's good to know right. what your body's going to do with that vitamin C we're giving you intravenously right. the vitamin or something C, like that. Vitamin C is, is so benign, It's but for some people it can be devastating because of something called glucose 6-phosphate deficiency. Yes. And if you have that, which is hereditary, mm -hmm. you can get hemolysis and you know, pee dark urine and yes. even have kidney failure. Mm -hmm. So you want to know. You want to know precaution. before doing, yes, anything like that. So it'd be nice if there was that test for these vaccines. It'd be like, great, right. get these, you know, get a right. blood test, find out, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. Good point. Wish to pause because we want to allow one of our sponsors an opportunity to share this vital message with you. So here it goes. Do you suffer with chronic pain? Are you taking risky over-the-counter or prescription anti-inflammatory drugs? This is Dr. Ronald Hopp with a better natural solution from Future Farm Botanicals, Liquid Turmeric Liposome Complex. Future Farm's liquid turmeric with liposomes and nanotechnology delivers maximum absorption for effective pain relief. Sourced and manufactured in the United States, this product contains 1,600 milligrams of curcumin and powerful antioxidant properties. This plant-based curcumin is used to possibly reduce inflammation, block proteins that trigger swelling, and intercept inflammatory pathways, significantly decreasing inflammatory responses. For more information and to order, call 888-841-7216, 888-841-7216. Go to myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. That's future P-H-A-R-M. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Don't live with pain when there's an all-natural, science-based remedy that works. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. They are what make intelligent medicine a continuing free resource to you. And now back to our questions. This is from Karen. Hi, Dr. Hoffman and Layla. I love your show and your senses of humor. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> we, have a, we have a sense of humor. We have a sense of humor. We have fun. It's yeah. definitely fun. Yeah. I have noticed that for the past few years, at least, my alkaline phosphatase has been low. All my doctors say it's not a big deal. However, I have read that it could be a sign of not absorbing nutrients, among other things. Okay. What do you think? Well, Alkaline phosphatase uh, primarily exists in two places, in the bones and in the liver. Mm. So traditionally, doctors look for an elevated alkaline phosphatase, mm -hmm. which could be a sign of obstruction of the bile ducts in the liver, mm. or it could be a sign of excessive bone turnover in mm. certain bone diseases. Like a Paget's disease. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Or, you know what's interesting? When you look at a kid who is like 13, their alkaline phosphatase is super high. Ah. And you go, oh my God. They're um, growing. It, right, exactly. They're growing. Unless you have a little pediatric knowledge and you go, yeah. that's their bone. It's very active. It's gr They're growing. They're mm -hmm. growing rapidly. So there's a lot mm -hmm. of bone turnover alkaline phosphatase is happening. Yeah. So you, if you see an elevated alkaline phosphatase, you can do alkaline phosphatase isoenzymes. Mm -hmm. Normally that's not done, but you can, you can <coughs> repeat the test and say, okay, is it bone? Or is it um, liver? And you can differentiate that. So when it's low, doctors say, forget about it. They don't care. But what we have been taught, and this I learned this many years ago, is that low alkaline phosphatase can sometimes be a sign of zinc deficiency. Wow. Yeah. But I don't know how reliable it is as yeah. an index of zinc deficiency. Okay. But it just may be that some people have a low alkaline phosphatase. Hmm. Which is, you know, just leave it alone. 
But okay. it, it's worth following it up with a, uh, an assessment of the dietary zinc or yeah. supplemental zinc and or a zinc blood test to see. Now, zinc blood tests, they're not that great because they don't really correlate very much with zinc deficiency. I see. I so, see. It's like red blood cell magnesium blood tests aren't that great. Not like an ionized... Yeah, the things cellular. that are... that are. Mm-hmm. It's actually hard to test for nutrients. Nutrient sufficiency, excuse me. Yes, nutrient sufficiency. So that's something. That's something. All right, interesting. Okay, so Karen, uh, probably not a big deal. Hmm, all right. Well, nutrients, she mentions, it could be the zinc. That's something. Yeah. All right. So she's correct in in, in Mm -hmm. asserting that. Okay. We have one from Bob from New Jersey. Do you know of any studies about the potential risks of EMF radiation from electric vehicles. I think this would be a great topic for your show or newsletter. Yeah, good. Now, I pulled something that you sent me, Dr. Hoffman. This is from a doctor, Joel Moskowitz. He's a PhD, director for Center of Family and Community uh, School of Public Health at Berkeley in California. So so he's he's not a... I mean... It's not just a layperson. No, he's not just a commentator. Wolf. He's actually right. a, an academic. Yes. Well, he has some concerns. And he says hybrid and electric cars may be cancer causing as they emit extremely low frequency electromagnetic fields. That's EMF. Recent studies of the EMF emitted by these automobiles have claimed either that they pose a cancer risk for the vehicle's occupants or that they're safe. Unfortunately, much of the research conducted on this issue has been industry funded. Right. Which is not great. That's the fox guarding the henhouse. Yes. By companies with vested interests on one side of the issue or the other, and it makes it difficult to determine which is trustworthy. So, given that magnetic fields are have been considered possibly carcinogenic in humans by the International Agency for Research on Cancer and the WHO since 2001... The precautionary principle dictates that we should design consumer products to minimize consumers' Shield, exposure. Shielding. shielding. But shielding is heavy. Right. And it adds expense. Right. Right. But you know, you've so, got you've got an electric motor that's like very close to your that's privates true. there. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. So, so this 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 advice still applies to the hybrid cars, the full on electric automobiles. And, and if, especially if you're spending a considerable amount of time in there. So that's something. The public should demand, he says, that governments adequately fund high quality research on the health effects of electromagnetic radiation that is independent of industry to eliminate any potential conflict of interest. In the U.S., a major national research and education initiative could be funded with as little as five cents a month fee on mobile phone subscribers. Hey. So, and then he has a bunch of citations that look at some of the various studies and stuff. So there needs to be more. There needs to be more and, research. And, that's, and I think not that's... Not just industry funded. I think that's a, a level-headed view. It's, it's a very level-headed precautionary view. principle. Yeah. I mean, there is evidence that electrical cur- uh, fields mm-hmm. have an impact on biological uh organisms. Yes. And so you're generating a high electrical field, we ought to investigate whether it does something. Yeah, absolutely. All for that. It's like, oh, would you like to come for a ride in my car? It's like, no, thanks. I'm pregnant. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got this. I got a Tesla. It's I like, got a Tesla. It, it's okay. I'll, I'll maybe maybe uh, yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. Don't put your laptop on your lap either. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's a big one. People don't realize. Yeah. Uh, we've got a question from Fendiwi. Good afternoon. I would like to inquire from Dr. Hoffman about the use of magnesium. But um. Um, How much time we got? <laughs> that's it? <laughs> that's it. About the use of magnesium. What about the use oh, of magnesium? Oh, my. Yeah. It's important for so many things. Well, you know, Over for, 300 for, biochemical processes. Exactly. It, it is ubiquitous yeah. in biology. Mm-hmm. It is a spark plug for a lot of yeah. energetic reactions. Mm-hmm. It even has an impact on vitamin D metabolism. I didn't know that until recently. So you, you yeah. don't really optimize your vitamin D your vitamin D levels may be okay, but the vitamin D efficacy may be compromised by magnesium yeah. deficiency. Yeah. Uh, and that's actually, maybe that's why some of the studies have come up short on vitamin D supplementation. They just gave like vitamin D to people who are deficient in magnesium and it's like, oh, that doesn't do any good. Yeah. So. Uh, There's also vitamin K to be uh, concerned about too. A lot of you interactions. want to make sure you get vitamin K. But come yeah. back to magnesium. There, there's yes. a lot of evidence that Americans have a suboptimal intake of Magnesium, magnesium, the majority of Americans. Yeah. Um, the and main reasons being poor diet, stress. Right, because stress depletes magnesium. And alcohol will do too. Yes, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. That's right. Yep. That's right. And and, uh, and uh, not only that, but the popular drug, uh, acid-blocking drugs, are definitely magnesium. Yes, your Prilosec, Tens your of millions of Americans take these drugs. Yeah. So... Magnesium, very important for cardiovascular. Yes. Uh, it has an antiarrhythmic effect, mm-hmm. uh, blood pressure effect, mm-hmm. uh, but in, just in terms of uh, energy, brain energy too. Yes. Uh, you know, depression. Magnesium yes. can be helpful for depression because depression is associated with low brain activity. Yeah. Um, it's also associated with anxiety and phobias. It, we Low like to magnesium. use the protosaur like magnesium. In your, like in your book. Yeah, we use yeah. The, the magnesium 3 and 8 to get mm-hmm. to the brain because it's actually hard to sometimes get it to cross the, the yeah. blood-brain barrier. Yeah. So we use the magnesium 3 and 8. Right. Uh, we like magnesium glycinate for muscle cramps, things of that nature. We like magnesium citrate because it's a natural stool softener for people with constipation. We like magnesium taurate particularly is good for, for cardiovascular. cardiovascular, blood vessel, all of that. Sure. Um, yeah. Different so, types of magnesium for for different right. for different reasons. Yeah. But how all do, magnesium is good. Magnesium, how do I love thee? Let me count the ways. Yeah. yeah. There's a wonderful book, Thandui, yeah. by Carolyn Dean. Oh, she's Dr. like Carolyn the magnesium Dean. maven. Yeah. Yes. She I've had her on many times. Magnesium Miracle. Yeah. Yes. I'll have her back wonderful. on eventually. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful yeah. book. So if you want an in-depth look at magnesium, mm-hmm. I would recommend you buy right. that book by Dr. Carol also, and Dean, one of our nutri- Magnesium Miracle. One of our nutrition pioneers, female nutrition pioneers, because it was Women's Health Month, I mean, it was Women's History Month and uh, the and Nutrition Month simultaneously. Yes. So we did a series on women uh, pioneers, of mm-hmm. which you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were included among the illustrious. But one of mm-hmm. your predecessors, you. Mildred Selig, Yes. who was one of the people who founded the American College of Nutrition. Yeah. Uh, a very, very, um, uh, she was a very uh, active researcher on magnesium. And she's written uh, textbooks on magnesium mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and books on magnesium. 
It's S-E-E-L-I-G. So for a little more uh, sophisticated, you want the scientific references, she was a real pioneer in magnesium research. Um, But um, yeah, Yeah. good stuff. Thank you for your question. Time for one more question. One more. Okay, let's try to make this one Hopefully not a quicker. S super essay question. This comes from M. M. Not from the James Bond. Dial M for M. murder. Dial M for murder. That was a great play that yeah. I saw when I was younger. They made a movie. Yeah. 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 Yes. Hi. What if your CTA test comes back with zero plaque, but my particles are small and dense? Not sure how to treat or move forward. Okay, so what she's talking about is uh, it's a CT angiogram, and it I guess it's of the heart, and it says that there's no plaque, mm. right? So it's a study that can be done to uh, assess flow. Yeah. And, you know, that's good news, but, uh, you know, I'd have to see it to see if it is really means there's no plaque. Yeah. Um, I normally use a different test, an EBT heart scan, with yeah. a similar test, but it just quantitates the calcium and it doesn't look so much at flow. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know why this person had all these tests, but, you know, who knows. Uh, the the small, dense uh, LDL is the bad kind of LDL, which yes. predicts cardiovascular risk. But, you know, it's a concatenation of factors. True. And so there may be other mitigating factors yeah. that are known factors or even as yet to be discovered factors that prevent people yeah. uh, from getting plaque, even in the presence of, of a not optimal LDL yes. profile. We don't know how old M is mm-hmm. and how long her... Her particles are small and dense, mm-hmm. and I guess we are following a little James Bond because we're assuming M is a she. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so, all right. Um, the other thing is there are other predictors for right. plaque, like lipoprotein little a sure. and high homocysteine, sure. which may be more C-reactive protein, insulin, yeah. body insulin. habitus, uh, mm-hmm. exercise levels. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of variables. Yes. And there's some that... Frankly, I'm looking at the research, and there's some that, that with names you haven't even heard of, mm-hmm. that actually have pretty good predictive value. They're just not being used as part of commercially available screens. Yeah. But in research, see, I think in the future what they'll do is they'll use artificial intelligence to, you know, they'll take a tube of blood, they'll look at 50 things that a human cannot look at 50 things and make, a, you know, an assessment. It's too complicated. Right. Unless but with AI and machine learning, mm-hmm. they may derive complex algorithms which can predict cardiovascular risk based on the weighted average of all these multiplicity of factors. Yeah. And that's, I think, the future. Um, this is... Um, you know, where they're going with, with blood. Yeah. It won't be just like one thing, like, what's your cholesterol? What's your HDL? It's like, let's look at the whole constellation of things together. It's going to be more. It's called proteomics. Proteomics. There's a term for this analysis of a lot of, or metabolomics. Metabolomics, yeah. yes. Right. All right. That's I'm looking word. at a multiplicity mm-hmm. of factors, which a computer can crunch and then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, correlate with machine learning to what is actually happening with the person. Yeah. And that may be the future for cancer, that too. Is looking at multiplicity factors like not just your PSA or your, you know, or yes. something, or your CA. Those are just people say, oh, let's take the cancer CA test. CA 125, right. Yeah, right. but, the, 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 it, those but are, that number could be high if you have 
ulcerative colitis or intractable diarrhea, yeah, for example. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, you can't just base it on that. Or it could be low and you could have cancer. You know, yeah. so it's, it's, we need, and this is coming. This is yeah. coming because we are in the midst in medicine of a real, uh, you know, disruptive data revolution, you yeah. know, where this, it's very exciting. Yeah. And I think these, these tests will be made commercially available because there's a dollar incentive. So yeah. People want to offer the test. And the test actually is partly technology and partly IP, intellectual mm-hmm. property. And mm-hmm. if you, you can, you can corner the market on IP. Yeah. And you can say, well, we have, we've developed the algorithm. And then you can sell it to commercial labs. Yeah. And they can run the ultimate predictive test for cardiovascular disease. Yeah. Maybe. 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 You know, it's a little sci-fi, but, you know. Mm-hmm. It'll be a while before we have that. Was it the Dr. Bones device? There was the, the, you know, the... Oh, yeah. The transponder. Or, right, you know, right. It was, it was like, it was like, one day. It was like, what's wrong with this person? Just like hold out this thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is what's wrong. Right. You've got a whole... So get the printout. Intabulated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. like... Who needs to go to medical school? <laughs> <laughs> Just get this device. Right. We've cornered the market. You get this. You're diagnostic. Okay. 99.95 for home <laughs> use. <laughs> Just pay shipping and handling if you want a second one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Two for one oh offer. Oh my gosh. That's coming down the pike. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Thanks for the questions. Radio program at AOL.com. I hope we, we've got to quite a few questions and we thank you for the questions. Mm-hmm. Very good this week. Uh, radio program at AOL.com, the destination for questions. Please send questions, and we'll have Gris for the Mill for next week's Q&A with Layla. Thank yep. you, Layla. Thanks, Dr. Hoffman. Have a great week. This is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. This is Layla Mutin, RD. I see patients regularly, along with Dr. Hoffman. If you require a nutrition consult with me but live out of town, there's no need to travel to New York City. I have telephone consultations with clients from all over the country. Please visit drhoffman.com for more information. And to set up an appointment, call 212-779-1744. That's 212-779-1744. I look forward to being a collaborator in your health care.